It's very hard to live in the present when you're always looking back at the pain of the past. You didn't have to be a Richard Branson to be a change maker. I am here with Dr. Marsha Balkasun, who does not like to use her title. And so I am putting her on the spot right in the beginning of this interview. I am feeling so blessed to be here with you, Marsha. How are you today? I'm doing so well. To be on with a friend is always enjoyable. So Marsha and I go way back. We can say way back at this point. It's been an interesting year and we've known each other for about that time frame. And I am so excited today, especially honored because Marsha has something very exciting to tell us about that's, that's happening imminently. Marsha, I got your bio and I, I am going to have you introduce yourself because I'm not quite sure how to introduce you. I want to introduce you as a professor. I want to introduce you as an intellectual. I want to introduce you as a brilliant, sensitive, dynamic, incredibly insightful poet. But I didn't see that <laughs> in the bio you gave me. So I <laughs> am, am not allowing you to be as humble as you would love to be, but I would love for you to introduce yourself and uh, then I'll start to ask some questions and we'll go into the conversation. How does that sound? Sounds great. <laughs> so let's do the non-traditional intro then. I love to write. I am an engineer by training, but in the past year, I think, something else woke up and it was this need to express the things that didn't feel like they belonged in an engineer. It wasn't logical. It was so much more heart-centered. It was so much more flawed than the controlled exterior that I thought I needed to express and show to everybody. And it all came out because a friend of mine, she's from Greece, she was doing this little Facebook challenge where she said, for one month, let's write poetry. And she wrote to me and she said, you know, will you take part? And I didn't respond. And I think a maybe a week later, she wrote again. And I said, you know, I can't turn her down because if she's writing again, it means she wants, she wants support. So I said, okay, sure. And for the first time, I just said, okay, you have to do it. So every day I would show up and I would write these little acronym poems. So if it was Monday, the poem had to be M-O-N-D-A-Y as the start of each line. And it was up to you what you were writing about. But the end of that month came, I think it would have been August or September of last year. And the end of the month came and every day after the month, these poems still flowed. And so strangely, I don't know why I was at one in the morning, at midnight, the poem was coming. And so I was just saying, you know what? I don't need to have a perfect poem. I'm just writing for the sake of writing. It's not about appearing as if I'm a poet or if I have this skill. And so I would just post the poem every day on Facebook. The strange thing that happened is people started to say, I look out for your poems and this is what I'm feeling and you are putting words to it. So when people like you say, Marja is a poet. That's so funny to me. 
like haha funny because I certainly didn't expect to find that my words resonated with people. But it was really to excavate what I was feeling and to put it out there and just say, this is me and I don't need to be perfect. That was the beginning of the public persona not needing to be curated. And I think that was a big step up in terms of the health and wellness of me. Beautiful, beautiful. So Marsha became something other than the engineer, it sounds like, in that moment, or in the training of what a traditional engineer is. That's so strange, right? Nowhere in our training did anybody say to us, there's a particular way that you have to be. But professionals generally have them have everything together. You never show that there are holes in your armor. You never say there's a heart here that has hurts. I'm broken. You always have to appear as if you have the answers as opposed to the questions. And, you know, in my mid forties, I'm, I'm finding, and I've found this all along, but I didn't have the confidence, I think, to say, I, just like everybody else, I'm flawed. Just like everybody else, I, I feel overwhelmed. I have all these loose ends that just don't lie down flat. It's messy, it's ugly. And I didn't realize that the ugliness, the chaos was what makes us beautiful. That came about because I started this particular journey to, it's a personal freedom journey, I think. Didn't realize it, but that's what this past year has been. And it all started together with COVID actually. It started in March last year because my students had moved to online classes. And they would come to class with me and they would, they would sit there. And when I said, how are you all going today? I would be teaching to black boxes on Zoom or on whatever video training program I was using. And I said, you know, turn on your videos. And they would say, you know, miss, we don't particularly care to, to participate. And I didn't understand why. They said, well, we, we feel like all our energy is being drained. We feel apathetic. We feel like we're losing hope. Sounds like so many of us now, right? And that worried me because for 20-year-olds to be talking like that was a scary thing. So I started trying to reach out to my students and run little free programs and that sort of thing to help them to tune into what their purpose was and see that other people in being a farmer, in being a hairdresser, in being a regular person in their regular role, these people were stepping into their purpose and feeling alive and lighting up other people. And I wanted them to see that you didn't have to be a special person. You didn't have to be a million person influencer. You didn't have to be a Richard Branson to be a change maker. And that's how the, the, the change maker interview series began, just showing regular people and how powerful you could be in your village, in your job, in your home. So the non-traditional introduction is I'm an engineer, but I've found that I'm so much more. The words that come, they express, I guess, the human condition, which is we don't have to be perfect. Here are our flaws. And even as we navigate through our flaws and our adversity that we all face in life, 
we can experience joy and fulfillment every single day. You don't live in joy and fulfillment every moment because you have ups and downs all of us in life. But certainly our life, even as we journey through, should help us to find that fulfillment every day. So that is so interesting. Thank you so much for the introduction. This gives people an example of why Marsha and I have stayed on the phone or not on a traditional phone either for for hours (laughs) because we can go on and on. Tell everybody where you're tuning in from. I'm here in Southwestern Pennsylvania. It is May 30th and it is cloudy and cool here. It's about 50 degrees, I think, or 50, I don't know. It may have gone down to the mid 40s last night. And I see you leaning towards the window, gazing out. Could you tell me as you gaze out the window what you're seeing and what the temperature is in your part of the world? We have, we measure our temperatures in Celsius, degrees Celsius. Okay, so that's a clue. That's a clue. If anybody can guess where Marsha's tuning in from, she's measuring in Celsius. That tells you something that she's not in the continental United States. We know that, right? Okay, could you give us another clue? So clues, clues about where I am. It's warm all the time. We have two seasons. We have a dry season and a wet season. And I have never seen snow. (laughs) Okay, so there's a there's a dry season and a wet season. Does anybody have a guess? I think most of the people that are watching live right now know where you're tuning in from. Yeah, where where are you? Where are you in the world? So I'm from the Caribbean, the last, the southmost island of the Caribbean called Trinidad and Tobago. And I'm on the island of Trinidad, which is a larger island. We have temperatures that Our coldest temperature is about 17 degrees Celsius. The coldest temperature for the year might be around that. I think when Miami gets cold at at Christmas time, it goes to about 10 on a not so cold day. And I can't shape words at that temperature. (laughs) (laughs) So I know it's very funny to people who can handle cold, but I was made to be in a warm place, I think. So, So, so wonderful. So you started writing poems and you started realizing and a part of yourself started unfolding that you weren't as familiar with. Were you also, I don't want to spill the beans of your big announcement. I would like you to be able to make this announcement, but we we know that you were doing more writing or were you, had you started writing your most recent book um, prior to the poetry or no, I hadn't. So I've been writing for a long time, but I've been writing in journal after journal for years. And that's because for the past, since 2012, things have been a little bit difficult for our family. And I was locked into this very dark place where I didn't know that I could find hope. To me, it sounded like for the rest of my life, I wouldn't be able to find hope. It felt like a dark, like darkness was to be my future until I died. And I spent a lot of time crying, just crying by myself at two in the morning, not letting Sean, my husband, know that I was feeling these things because he too was facing exactly what I was facing. In 2012, March, we had had a baby girl who was our second child. 
and Emma was born with some heart problems. What we found out is that those heart problems could not be fixed locally due to limitations on technology and, 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 and specializations in our country. And we were told, you just have to wait until she becomes critical. And when she becomes critical, you all are going to have to go away to have her heart fixed. So that happened when she was eight months old. So later in 2012, we saw her turning. In her case, she looked white, but they say that that's, she's turning blue. That meant that her heart couldn't pump enough blood to get oxygen to her body, and she started to become cyanotic. The risk to her if we did not intervene right away was that she would be at risk for, for stroke and seizure. So they said, you need to get her out of the country right away and get open heart surgery. And so that's what we did. I think within a week, she was in the United States and we were arranging for the pretests and, and she was going into surgery. But she ended up getting brain injured after that surgery had been done. A mistake happened in the ICU and she got severely brain injured. And the prognosis was that she would be in a vegetative state for life. She'd lost all her senses and her ability to suck and swallow. And so the journey was a hard one because we, we began with a child who would see tears coming down her face, her mouth would be open and she'd be screaming in pain, but we would hear not a sound. That's the definition of hell. <laughs> to be surrounded in an ICU by children crying and their parents comforting them and to look at your child and not be able to touch her, not be able to hear her, asking for your help, telling you what's wrong, not even make a sound to say I'm in pain. It really started hard. It started with doctors saying, she doesn't have any prospects, withdraw food, let her go, things like that. And so suddenly life had changed. It's like somebody had flipped a switch and what had looked like such a wonderful life ahead in one moment had switched into a life that didn't look like there was any hope that there'd be any joy anymore. Because all of my dreams for my two children and for my family, we, I, I felt like I had to put them in a box and seal them down the river. So what we moved into, obviously, as everybody I think does when a big life challenge comes, is you just have to take the next step, you know? And so that's what we did. We just, I, I bought a book online. I went on Amazon, searched up. Two weeks after she was hit, we, we found out it was a brain injury. And I just did a search, found a book on brain injury, read that book, which was a technical book because there was no book to hold your hand and to give you a personal side of this journey at that time. And um, so reading was empowerment to us. Finding okay, um, maybe the doctors are saying they can't really give me the details of what's wrong. Can I find a course that I could go to? Can I find interventions that I could try? And one of the things that happened is I learned to lean into my intuition. When there's nobody telling you what to do or telling you all that you could do, because there are certain medical things that they'll do, like respiratory therapy and x-rays and 
So they did do those things, but what can I do? I can't sit by and just watch it. So learning therapies that we could do, learning how to use sound to try to get in. So we put a CD on and that CD would play constantly, constantly, constantly until one day she turned her head toward the CD player. And the day she turned her head was the day we realized she's hearing. For the first time, her hearing is switching back on. You know, and slowly things switched back on. If we'd listened to them say, let her go, put her in a home, there's no hope for her. Once our hope dies, then all chances for her would have died. That is so beautiful as a metaphor for all of us around the world to hear the depth and the warmth of your family. It just trickles so beautifully. And rather than ask you the next question and be academic about it, I'm wondering, can you bring M onto the camera so that we can communicate with her. And when you go get M, can you bring perhaps some of the music? And, I, and, and just so people know who are watching the interview live, this is completely spontaneous. So it may take a few minutes because we're not going to rush. And we didn't plan this ahead, but you might want to pick up um, a visual stimulation or an auditory stimulation or a sensory mm -hmm. modality that M might prefer because she's right. in charge. So a couple of things, I know Sean is on, so I'm requesting that Sean brings M. Uh, Sean has written Emma is a joy on the comments. Um, <laughs> we know that Emma's, truly, Emma's name is Emma Lucia Priscilla Balkisun. And okay. when I looked at what her name meant, Emma Lucia Priscilla actually means ancient universal light. That is, and, and it's so amazing because she truly, truly is a light. She she's connected to her purpose and she just lives that. So Shawnee, I hope you're hearing me. Could you bring Emmy, please? I have the music because the music is when I sing to her. So you'll get fortunately or unfortunately, you'll get to hear me sing. Um, but you'll see. That's the nice part. You'll see her response and we'll get something red or yellow because we've been working on her eyesight. She's been diagnosed as blind, but we've decided that she has something called cortical visual impairment because we are pretty stubborn people. So we continue to read. We find out they don't diagnose this in Trinidad, but we are sure that this is the case. And we've worked with her and she's begun to track red and yellow. So I hope that she decides that she wants to open up and let you see how she is. Let me run off and get her because I'm not seeing that and, and I'm coming. Okay, so I just wanna thank everybody for being here and keep, keep staying, don't go anywhere. Maybe write down some of your insights and observations. What, what sorts of things do you do to inspire yourself to move in a positive way through these incredible moments on, on the planet. Here we are, here we all are. The blessing for me is right in front of us here. Uh, the blessing of meeting 
Dr. Marsha and Sean and Emma and their son has been an incredible opportunity. And now not just for me, but for all of you who are watching this live or on the replay, how are you inspired just by watching for the past you know, 20 minutes about the story of this incredible family that is in Trinidad and Tobago? What is it in your life you know, that you want to see shift? And you know, where, what are your, your tools? 